morning. Man, y'all sit back here in the back. I know it's probably because y'all have to look at James, so just tell me that's not why, and I'll be okay. Um, just to kind of introduce myself a little bit as, uh, as I get all my stuff situated here. Um, I never thought that I would be doing this. I never intended to be doing this. I had people tell me, you know, man, you'd be a, a good preacher one day. You'd make a good pastor. And every time they said that, I'd just laugh and say, you're crazy. You know, I, don't, I, 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 I can't do that. I don't want to do that. That's too much responsibility. That's too much. Um, that's just too much to ask of me, God. And, and um, some of you know me. You, you worked the, my, the scene of my wreck. Um, I had a wreck on County Road uh, 49, I think it is, over here, and, and uh, should have died. Should not be here before you today, um, but that's just a testament to God and His mercy, grace, and love, and the fact that He had a purpose for my life. Um, now, saying all that, I'm the one up here speaking, I'm the one uh, talking to you guys today, but I want you to know a little more personally about me, I'm not perfect. You know, I don't have it all figured out because I'm, I'm back here. Okay, uh, so what I want you to do is, is not listen to what Josh has to say today, but rather I want you to hear what God has to say to you this morning, okay? Um, as I open up a prayer, um, open your hearts and minds and receive what God has for you this morning. Uh, God, we just humbly come before you. We're so thankful for, uh, for your grace, God, your mercy, God. We're so, we're so thankful for you allowing us to come today to be in your presence, God, to worship you. Yes, yes God, that we get to, that we have that that awesome opportunity, God, that we get to um, put aside time to come and just give ourselves fully to you, God. I pray that you'll just hide me behind your cross this morning, Lord, as I bring this message, God, that, that you would have for the people here today to hear, God. I'm just so thankful for your son dying on the cross for us, God, giving us a hope and purpose. I pray that uh, as we go through this service, God, that you're glorified in all things. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, so I talked to James, and I'm going to start out with an illustration that uh, he's probably going to make fun of me about, but it's okay. Um, so there was this guy, alright, he always wanted a parrot, alright, he, he wanted a parrot from the time he was a small boy, and he finally got the opportunity to buy one, alright, so he gets the parrot, he brings it home, he's so excited to teach it how to talk, alright, he wants to hear this parrot say all kind of stuff, and so he's, he's teaching the parrot to talk, and all of a sudden the parrot just starts cursing him out, swearing I'm talking some of the ugliest words you ever heard in your life, the man blushed, he said, I didn't teach this bird to say this, so he's getting mad at the bird. Bird, why, parrot, why, why are you saying this stuff? You don't need to talk like that. And so, oh, well, the parrot says, well, I promise I, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll change my ways. I won't say it again. He said, okay, all right, I'm going to hold you to that. So the next day, the next day, he goes and he's talking to the parrot again. All right, well, this time the parrot swears for about five minutes straight and he didn't repeat a word. Okay, yes, yeah, I don't know if this is comfortable for you guys or not, but the parrot, I mean, he's got a bad mouth on him. So the guy's frustrated. He's fed up. He said, I don't know why I ever wanted a parrot to begin with. He grabs it, and he throws it in the cabinet and slams the door. Well, the parrot, I mean, he's still carrying on. 90 to nothing. Boy, he's just shooting out all those, all those words that the man didn't want to hear. And uh, finally, the, the parrot quiets down. He takes him out of the cabinet. He says, all right, you know, I, this time I will. This time I, I'll, I'll be different. I won't say it again. All right, he says, okay. All right. So the next day, here goes the parrot. He's running his mouth like that just again. And he said, I'm sick and tired of it. He grabs him. He throws him in the freezer, slams the door, and leaves him there. All right, well, by this time, the parrot's dead silent. He ain't hearing nothing out of this parrot. He gets to feeling bad. He goes and opens the freezer door. The parrot comes walking out, just, 
just real slow like, and he said, he said, I vow to you this day that I'll never say another swear word again. He said, but I got one question. He said, okay. He said, what'd the chicken do? All right. So, wow. See, all right, thanks for laughing. I appreciate that. All right. This, <laughs> this morning we're going to look at four vows, okay, that God's people made. All right. While God's people were not thrown in a freezer, all right, they did feel the sting of God's spoken word. All right, in chapters 8 and 9 of Nehemiah. All right, after hearing what God wanted from them and owning up to their constant rebellion, Nehemiah 9.38 says that the people made a binding agreement or a vow to follow the Lord wholeheartedly. All right, they put it in writing and then they sealed it, okay? Those who agreed to those vows, in Nehemiah chapter 10, it lists it verse 1 through 27, all the people, okay, who made that vow and sealed it, all right? The law of governing oaths and vows is found in the first scripture we'll look at this morning, and that's Numbers 32. I got a lot of them, so you don't have to scroll through most of these. You can turn to your Bibles in Nehemiah chapter 10 and start with verse 28, and you can kind of hang out there. Uh, but in Numbers 30, chapter 2, it says, If a man vows a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by a pledge, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. And Ecclesiastes 5, 4 says, when you vow a vow to God, do not delay paying it. For he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. All right. Since a vow involved the name and possible judgment of God, okay, it was not to be taken lightly. All right. There are many examples in the Bible of people making vows to God and then later breaking them. Okay. So my question to you, are vows useful today? Are vows useful today? I think they are for two reasons. Okay. Two reasons. The first one is they help you focus, all right? How many of you really need to focus on some things? All right, I'm a bank teller, okay? So if I don't focus on counting that money, I'm going to be out of balance, all right? And when I'm out of balance, you know I get in trouble, but you want to know what's worse? That means I either kept somebody's money or I didn't give them their money. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, if you came to the bank and I kept your money, you'd probably be upset, wouldn't you? Trust me, I've had plenty of people... Um, when I first started working there, you know, I wasn't perfect. Only Christ is perfect, you know. So I, I, I've shortchanged a few folks and come to find it later. And they weren't too happy, even when I'm the one that's called them and hunted them down. They didn't even know. But, boy, they, they sure do get upset when it comes to money, all right. But when you make a vow, okay, you were saying you are going to do something specific. How many of you remember the vows you made to your husband and wife? Everybody in here, you remember your vows? You know, you, you made some specific commitments, when you said that, you know, I was a part of a wedding yesterday. They made some very specific commitments. Some commitments that while I'm single and 23 years old, kind of scares me to make. You know, because I don't know if I could have, you know, in Sarah's position, I don't know if I could be married to James White till death do us part. You know, for better or worse. Because that's a lot of worse with that, I bet. Um, but making a vow, you got to be serious about it, okay? It can help you focus in on certain parts of your life that really need work, Okay? And when you make a specific commitment to God, you're going to focus on that specific thing you're asking for. All right? And the second thing, vows express, uh, allow us to express our love. All right? That's why you see couples exchange vows at weddings. That's why you guys yourselves, when you got married, exchange vows. Um, vows are the language of love. Okay? Why is that? Love is more than just a feeling. Love is more than just an emotion that you get for another person. But rather, love is a choice. Love is a commitment to the other person, okay? So therefore, vows allow us to express our love as well. 
All right, God is a covenant-keeping God, even when we don't keep our end of the deal. Um, maybe some of you in here are like me. Um, there's been a lot of times in my life that, that I've made a commitment to God or that I, I've, I've vowed to God that I'm going to do something. Shortly thereafter, what, what, what tends to happen? We, we easily forget. We kind of fall away from that commitment. All right, but God always holds up his end of the deal, okay? You may have made some vows to God in the past that you haven't kept, but guys, you're not alone. If you look in Jeremiah chapter 31, it says in uh, verse 31, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. All right, so God's people broke their covenant on a regular basis, okay? So we can't feel as if we're alone in that. All through the Bible, God's people have broken their covenants with him, okay? But in verse 34, it goes on to say, For I will, uh, for I will forgive them their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. All right, and that's talking about Jesus enacting that new covenant in Mark 14, 24, um, he says, and he said to them, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly, I say to you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. All right. In the old covenant, guys, we are expected to live up to our end of the deal fully and completely. All right. Everything comes from us. All right. We have to hold up our end of the deal with the covenants that God made. But in the new covenant, okay, the New Testament, nothing comes from us. Okay. And everything comes from Jesus. Praise God for that, guys. That's something that you can be thankful for. That's something you'd be excited about today. Okay, is that nothing, nothing comes from us. It ain't nothing that you can do better. It's nothing that you can do worse. But rather, it all comes from Jesus. Because of His grace, we can surrender, submit, and obey. All right, out of love, not fear. All right, while it may be helpful to make a vow to God today, remember this, all right? We don't succeed as Christians because we make promises to God. You're not going to be a more successful Christian because you make a promise to God. But rather, because we believe on the promises of God, okay, and act upon them. Having said that, many of us never come to that point of getting serious in our walk with God. Simply because we never get specific with Him. Uh, so in Nehemiah chapter 10, we're going to look at four vows, okay, that, that the Israelites made to God, okay. Once they were getting serious, once they, once they were getting specific in the things they were going to do, to honor God, okay? So the first one I want to look at is submission to God's word. Okay, and that's going to be in Nehemiah 10, verse 29. And it says, These joined with their brethren, their nobles, and entered into a curse, and an oath to walk in God's law, which was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe and do all the commandments of the Lord our Lord, and his ordinances and his statutes. Alright, as a result of hearing God's word, the Israelites made four decisions, okay? The first one was found right here in chapter uh, 10, verse 29, we just read, and that's submission to God's Word. They were totally serious, okay, in their desire to devote themselves to the law of God, okay? The key here is devotion. The key in this very first thing is their devotion to God. How devoted to God are we this morning? Devotion, that's a deep word. That's a tough word. That means... That you've got to put yourself into. Are we devoted to God this morning? 
All right, we need to remember that the depth of our devotion determines our impact. You know, I told you I was a banker. I'm here to tell you guys, I don't find my purpose in working for West Alabama Bank and being a banker. Now, I, I appreciate the blessing of working there. I appreciate the blessing of a paycheck that allows me to, to do and have. But I don't find my purpose in that. I'm not going to, you know, bank on that, no pun intended, for that to, to give me purpose in life, okay? But we got to understand that our devotion to God is going to determine your impact. I tell my youth all the time, 500 years from now, nobody's going to know who Josh Elliott is. All right? My great, 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 how many greats you got to put in front of kids, all right, to get to however long 500 years is from now, they're not going to remember that Josh was a bank teller, okay? They're not going to remember much of what I do, okay? But what you do for the Lord, the impact you have for his kingdom, guys, that lasts in eternity. That lasts in eternity. There are people that you walk by each and every day at your workplace, your friends, whomever it is that God has sovereignly placed in your pathway. You want to know why that is? It's so one day when we get to heaven, because praise God, I hope everybody in here is on the way to heaven, all right? You're going to get to rejoice with those people. There's going to be somebody, and if you think about this, every person you walk by that's got a soul that's either headed for heaven or hell. And guys, I promise you, I would rather see people high-fiving me, giving me a hug, jumping for joy, saying, thank you so much for sharing Christ with me. Because if not, I wouldn't be here. Guys, each and every one of you have a very, very grand purpose, and that's winning souls for Christ, okay? God is not looking all over the earth for strong people. He's not looking for great people. He's definitely not looking for perfect people. I'm a testament to that. Or even religious people, okay? This morning... As God scans the congregation here at Lighthouse, as he's looking at each and every one of your hearts this morning, all right, he's looking for devoted disciples, for men and women, boys and girls, okay, who are fully committed to him. That's what he's looking for, devotion, fully committed, commitment, devotion. That's something that we can all do. None of us, none of us, you know, some of us, we can't um, be super athletes, okay? Carson here probably don't remember me. Okay, that's probably because he was too busy whooping my tail in football. All right? Us at South Lamar, you know, they're a little better off now. But when I was in school, we was a little um, less athletic, just so to speak. And I remember this guy right here. He probably don't even remember. He's probably creamed so many dudes in his life. He don't even know. And it's funny he's here. But it was a punt return at Vernon. They beat a 61 to 20, something like that. And this, whatever it was. And this dude lit me up so hard I talk about it. This five years later, I still talk about it, all right? Now, I think it was a little bit of a hit in the back, but we ain't going to talk about that, all right? Um, but God's looking for devotion. God's looking for commitment, and that's something each and every one of us can give him, okay? Um, he's looking for a regular person, okay, that he can pour out his strength on, okay? In order for that to happen, we have to be completely committed and dangerously devoted, and I can't stress that enough. All right, William Booth. I like to, I like to ask some quotes in every now and then. William Booth, okay? founder of the Salvation Army, was once asked the secret to his very successful ministry, okay? And he said, God has had all that there was of me. There have been men with greater brains than I, but from the day I got the poor of London on my heart and caught a vision of what Jesus Christ could do with them and me, on that day, I made up my mind that God should have all of William Booth that there was. God, my prayer is that Christ will have all of Josh Elliott that there is. My prayer for your life is that he'll have all of you that there is. Every aspect of your life. 
there's nothing too minuscule that he doesn't want a part of. There's nothing too, import, too unimportant in your life that he doesn't want a part of. He wants all of you guys. All right, in Nehemiah 10, the people are saying, okay, that they are so seriously submitted to God and his word that they are willing for the curses of God, willing for the curses of God now to fall on them if they do not carefully obey what he says. I wonder today if, if we have that same submission. I wonder today if we have that, that, that same dangerous devotion that we would ask for the curses of God to come upon our life if we did not adhere to his word. Does God have all of you this morning? That's not something that's going to happen like that. That's called being committed, being devoted, and giving yourself more and more daily. The second vow I want to look at is being uh, separated from the world. After submitting themselves to God and his word, they make a second vow to be separate from the world in verses 28 and 30. All right, it says, Now the rest of the people, the priests and Levites, the gatekeepers and singers, um, the Nethanim, and all those who had separated themselves from the peoples of the land to the law of God, their wives, their sons, and their daughters, everyone who had knowledge and understanding, these joined with their brethren, their nobles, and entered into a, a curse and an oath uh, to walk in God's law, which was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe and do all the commandments of the Lord our Lord and his ordinances and his statutes. We would not give our daughters as wives to the peoples of the land, nor take their daughters for our sons. When you think about it, guys, separation is simply, once again, total devotion to God, no matter the cost. When a man and a woman get married, they separate themselves from all other possible mates, okay, and give themselves completely to one another. They have to. You have to completely separate yourself from all other possibilities and focus on the one that you're completely committed and devoted to. We separate from others uh, to the one who is our life mate, just as the Israelites separated from the people around them and to God and His Word. All right, this was not a sense of, of ethnic pride. This was not saying that they were a, a greater people than the ones they were around, but rather this was a testament to how they honored God and worshipped Him. All right, wrong relationships, and this is not just marriage, okay? This is your friendships, your, your, your co-workers, whatever relationships in your life that you have. Wrong relationships can nullify a believer's distinct witness, all right? God wanted his followers to be a missionary people. God wants Lighthouse Community Church to be a missionary people, okay? You guys have been blessed and placed in a specific area to reach specific people. On my way here, um, by the way, have me back any time because I enjoyed sleeping until 10 o'clock um, or maybe even a little after. But there was a lot of people I saw just here in this short drive that were carrying out the trash or, or you know, just standing outside, whatever. That, that obviously tells me they weren't in church this morning. Maybe they were sick. I don't know. I'm not going to judge the people. But what I am saying is, is you have a special opportunity here in this community to reach out to people. Not for them to come and be members, not for them to come and fill these pews, but rather for them to come and give their hearts to the Lord and be beside you one day in heaven. God wants us to be a missionary people, okay? He warned his followers uh, to do that, so it was vital that their message not be corrupted. All right, in declaring this prohibition, the Lord was concerned about both the purity of their faith and the holiness of their life. All right, they had been entrusted with the most wonderful message in the world, just as you and I have been entrusted with that same message. And nothing, God says nothing, 
okay, was to be allowed to corrupt it. All right, we're influenced by other people more than we'd probably like to say. Um, I have a good friend. I'm not going to tell you his name. Um, but after living with him for three years, we were roommates uh, right out of college and everything, I started acting more and more like him. I sounded like him. Dog, I'm surprised he didn't start looking like him, okay? But the people that we hang around all the time, the people that are the greatest influence on our life, okay, we, we begin to become like them, okay? Um, you and your spouse, I'm sure over time you've, you've started to think a lot alike. Um, you know, I mean, you're influenced by the people that you're around, okay? Mixed marriage is okay as far as, you know, being, one, one being a believer, the other not being a believer, okay? Um, they were a danger then, as God stated in his word, and they're also a danger now. Uh, 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness? Um, some of you may be married to somebody um, that's an unbeliever. You may be married to someone that is not fully committed to God, as you are. But what I'm here to tell you this morning is while that is dangerous, okay, there is hope in that situation. There is something for you to look forward to in that situation. In the burden of that, of that marriage, in the, you know, the hardships and the difficulties, okay, in 1 Peter 3, um, 1 through 2, it says, likewise, wives, okay, it, it references wives here, but husbands, you can do the same thing, be subject to your own husbands, or vice versa, so that even if some do not obey the word, okay, they may be one without a word, conduct of their wives, okay, when they see respectful and pure conduct. Uh, what I look at in those scriptures, what I see is that if you're in a marriage that way, living your life fully committed, fully devoted to Christ, okay, without saying a word, they see God in you. They see Christ in you in how you live your life. And therefore, you'll be the greatest witness to them that they'll ever see. So there's hope in that. Don't run away from that. Don't, don't find yourself in a situation, especially if you know someone. Don't allow them to just turn and run. God can work in the most difficult of circumstances. The third thing I want to look at is the Sabbath for God's people. All right, after submitting to God's word and, and promising to live separated lives, uh, in verse 31 it says, If the peoples of the land brought wares or any grain to sell on the Sabbath day, we would not buy it from them on the Sabbath or on a holy day. And we would forego the seventh year's produce and the exacting of every debt. All right, in Nehemiah's time, it was necessary for um, for God's law about the Sabbath to be clearly understood. All right, first of all, this was a day set aside to honor God. That's why we're here today, to honor God. The food's going to be great. The fellowship's going to be great. Getting to hang out with you lovely people is going to be great. But the main reason we're here today is to honor God. Um, it was distinctive from all the other days, okay, and given to God so that they might offer their worship to Him without being distracted by the demands of everyday life. Secondly, it was a day of rest. All right, relaxation is a, is a vital ingredient of effective living. Okay, we have to rest. You know, we're not, we're not superhuman. We're going to wear down. We have to have that time where we set aside to rest, okay? Um, God set this example in Exodus 20, 11. It says, For in the six days the Lord made heaven and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Um, Thirdly, the Sabbath was a day to declare truth, okay? Uh, it was a silent witness to God's supremacy, okay? And gave the Israelites um, multiple witnessing opportunities to their unbelieving neighbors. 
Um, as people drive by this church, your vehicle out here, us congregated here to honor God, is a silent testament to everyone that drives by that God is number one in our life. And by making that silent testament that they associate with your vehicle outside that God is number one in your life, they need to be able to make that same assessment when they see you out in public. When they see you at the grocery store, they need to know that God's number one in your life. When they see you at work, they need to know that God's number one in your life. Because they are making that, that association by seeing your vehicle outside. It is a silent testament when we gather here together that, Lord, that the Lord our God is number one. That He is our reason for being here. That we're here to honor Him. The fourth vow I want to look at is the support for God's work. Okay? Uh, in verses 32 through 39, it says, Also we made ordinances for ourselves to exact from ourselves yearly one-third of a shekel for the service of the house of our God, for the showbread, for the regular grain offering, for the regular burnt offering of the Sabbath, the new moons and the set fees for the holy things, for the sin offerings, to make atonement for Israel and all the work of the house of our God. We cast lots among the priests, the Levites, and the people, for bringing the wood offering into the house of our God, according to our fathers' houses, at the appointed times, year by year, to burn on the altar of the Lord our God, as it is written in the law. And we made ordinances to bring the first fruits of our ground and the first fruits of all fruit of all trees, year by year, to the house of the Lord, to bring the firstborn of our son and our cattle, as it is written in the law, and the firstborn of our herds and our flocks to the house of our God, to the priests who minister in the house of our God, to bring the first fruits of our dough, our offerings, the fruit from all kinds of trees, the new wine and oil, to the priests, to the storerooms of the house of our God, and to bring the tithes of our land to the Levites, for the Levites should receive the tithes in all our farming communities. And the priests, the descendant of Aaron, shall be with the Levites when the Levites receive this. And the Levites shall bring up a tenth of the tithes to the house of our God, so the room, to the room of the storehouse. For the children of Israel and the children of Levi shall bring the offering of the grain, of the new wine and the oil, to the storerooms where the articles of the sanctuary are, where the priests who minister and the gatekeepers and the singers are, and we will not neglect the house of our Lord. If you kept up with all that, there's a lot of stuff they were given to the house of their Lord, okay? Uh, they will not neglect the house of our God. All right? My challenge to you here today is that you not neglect the house of our God. The phrase house of our God is used nine times in that section of Scripture and refers to the restored temple that God has set forth for them to, to rebuild back up. And uh, verse 39 sums up that commitment. We will not neglect the house of our God. All right, the temple in Jerusalem, it stood at the heart, okay, of the country's religious, moral, and spiritual life. In symbolic terms, it proclaimed the presence and power of God, all right, among his people and uh, the centrality of spiritual matters, okay? All right, the scripture here that we just looked at, it gives us seven insights into giving, all right? And I'm going to look over these real quick and, and, and we'll be finished. Uh, the first one, it was responsible giving. Okay, in verse 32 and 35, it says they assumed responsibility, okay? They owned it and gave what they owned because they saw it as their responsibility. Okay, so be responsible in your giving. Uh, the second thing is to be obedient giving, all right? Not impulsive, not giving off a whim, okay? But rather being obedient in what you give. Asking the Lord to, to, to lead you and to tell you what to give, okay? All right, they were carrying out the commands to give as it is written in the law. 
All right? There was nothing optional about the support of God's work. Uh, the third thing here is, is, is systematic, okay? Uh, 32, they brought a third of a silver of shekel each year. 34, uh, verse 34, lots were drawn to determine uh, when families were to bring wood at set times each year. Verse 35, uh, first fruits were brought each year. Okay, the people knew what was expected of them. All right, the New Testament teaches systematic giving in 1 Corinthians 16, 2. Uh, we're going to look at verse 1 and 2. Now, uh, concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the church of Galatia, so you also are to do, on the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. Okay, uh, the fourth thing, it was proportionate. Uh, the reference to wood offerings suggests that uh, people would be able to make a, a gift to the Lord, okay, that would demand time rather than money. All right, the temple needed a regular supply of firewood, okay, to keep the sacrificial fires burning. All right, uh, everyone, regardless of income, you know, maybe they didn't have as much to give, but that everyone could gather up wood and carry, okay? Um, we should be proportionate in how we give. Um, we've been blessed, okay? Each and every one of us have been blessed in some way, and we should give back to God proportionately to how we're blessed, okay? And you can look in 1 Corinthians 16 uh, and then 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9 to, to get a hint of that, okay? And the fifth one, it was sacrificial, okay? Uh, one thing that really gets me is that uh, a lot of times we, we, we take up items to give to the needy, and we will give all the things that we don't want, all the things that are ratty, I mean, they're, they're, they're not good for anything. If we don't want it, why would someone else want it? Is that truly giving? We need to be sacrificial in our giving, okay? They were to bring to God's house the first fruits of their crops, okay? The first fruits, the best ones, the best of what they had, they were to sacrifice and bring to God. Um, by this, they declared that God was the giver of all things and that everything that they had belonged to Him, okay? And that He was, the wor that he was worthy of the best that we have to offer, while everyone can't give the same amount, we can all sacrifice something. We can all be sacrificial in how we give. All right, the sixth thing, it was comprehensive. Okay, they didn't just bring crops and money, but also their firstborn sons and animals. Okay, God isn't just interested in your money. God is interested in your everything. And the last thing, all right, it was prescribed. Not only did they bring their first, but also a tithe of their crops, okay? Uh, I'm convinced that as we tithe, each and every Sunday, that that is a minimum of what we're called to give. Okay, God has given us everything. Why is he so deserving of just a little bit? Um, I heard this somewhere along the lines. I don't know who to credit to, but I know it didn't come from me. It says, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. Jesus puts it this way in Matthew 6, 21. It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let's determine to be like the Israelites in Nehemiah chapter 10, verse 39, when they said, we will not neglect the house of our, our God. Now, maybe you're here today as we finish up, and you've not committed those vows to Christ. Y'all haven't had that moment where you look face to face and you commit your life to Him. Or maybe you're here today, and, 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 and you've been saved a long time, but maybe you've forgotten about these vows. Maybe some of these vows you've let slip by. Maybe you're submitted to God's word, but you're not really living a separated life. Maybe you're living a separated life, but you're not submitted to God's word. Maybe you're not honoring God on the Sabbath 
in the way that you should. Or maybe, you know, we're lacking in supporting God's work. These four simple vows, they cover the, they cover the Christian life. And these four specific things can help you in your walk with Christ. So I ask, as I get, as I get real with you guys, as, as I, I'm going to step away from this podium, that you, that you look into your hearts, guys. I told you I didn't want you to hear what Josh Ailey had to say. I wanted you to hear what God had to say. Um, I want you to really look at yourself. God is deserving of your everything. And I just asked this morning that if you haven't given them your everything, that you will. As I, as I open up this time in prayer, um, they're going to come and sing. And let's be real this morning. See, the crazy thing is, um, you know, what you do with your life, it doesn't affect me. Um, what I do with my life, it doesn't affect you. So we can sit here and we can all act like everything's okay. But God knows. God loves you, and God knows every aspect of your life. And God does not want to condemn you today. God does not want to show you that you've fallen short in everything, but God wants to love you more today. God wants to bring you in close today and say, you know what? It's okay. It's okay that you haven't kept all of your end of the bargain. I just want to love you more today.